Welcome to the I Don't Give a Should show, a podcast exploring all the ways that women should all over themselves. How many times do you find yourself acting out of obligation or doing what everyone else expects from you without stopping to consider why? Where do all those beliefs that are driving you come from? If you're tired of feeling resentful, overwhelmed, stuck, exhausted, or pissed off, you are in the right place. Shooting all over yourself is a real thing, but it doesn't have to be in the driver's seat. I'm your host, Jen Sherwood, and I spent way too many years trying to prove that I was good enough and worrying what other people thought while avoiding conflict at all costs. Today, I don't give a shit. Well, not as many anyway, and neither should you. I'm talking to women like you who figured out how to stop shooting and start living. You're listening to the I Don't Give a Shit Show, episode number two. So today, I'm thrilled to introduce my guest, Bridgette Surfity. Bridgette and I have been friends for a few years, and I just love this woman. I love her journey. I love what she does. And so I am so thrilled that she agreed to be the first person I'm doing this interview series with. So Bridgette, can you tell me, I know this is a wide open question, but let's just go there. Can you tell me about your experience when you were living under your shoulds? Yeah. And so I read your question and I thought, oh, that was my thirties. Maybe it was all of my thirties, maybe even into my forties, because I was really living somebody else's to-do list. Mm -hmm. So especially when I was a young mother, it was all about, I should be more involved in the PTA. I should be more engaged at work. I should, I mean, this list was gigantic because I wasn't paying attention to what I wanted. So when you said unhappy, overwhelmed, stuck, you know, got the t-shirt because that's what I was doing is just listening to that voice that told me all other things I should be doing other than what I was actually able to execute in a 24 hour period, which was not all those things. I mean, right. it's it mind blowing. So yeah, it was, it was all of that when I was trying to be superwoman. And then my marriage imploded. <laughs> and I had the opportunity then to say, oh man, I got to do something different. So yeah. yeah, so it's kind of one of those good news, bad news stories. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have the opportunity to say, what do I really want? Because I wasn't asking that question at all, to your point in your intro. I didn't even know I got to ask the question, what do I want? Right, yeah. right. That's yeah. so true for so many of us. We just yeah. are doing without stopping to ask that question. When would you say you realized that's what was happening? Did it take the divorce or was there were there other things that led up to it? Yeah, and so... One of the things that I remember, and it wasn't just the divorce, but one of the things I remember vividly was this mentor of mine who's a a woman probably six or seven years older than I am that I worked with. And so we were having an offsite meeting and we were just having coffee. And she said, you know, what are your plans for the next year? And I launched into this giant discussion about my team plans and my work plans and my project plans. We, 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 all the stuff that we were going to do. And she stopped me and she said, what do you want? Oh, such a good question. It was a great question. And then I said, oh, I do want these things. And she said, no, 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 you're not even on your list. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. 
And so that was kind of the first time that I thought about, you know, I could make my own list about what do I really want. But the divorce was a great opportunity for me to kind of acknowledge, you know, I'm living my life on autopilot because I'm running so fast that I'm just not paying attention to what I want. I don't know what's important to me other than work. I was very highly functional at work, but my, you know, everything else was kind of falling apart around me. And when work knew it, I kept that very separate and I was very competent and all of that. But, you know, it was really an opportunity then because my personal life fell apart to say, what do I want? And what do I want for this kid? I had a daughter, you know, was young. And and as you know, at that time that she was about 10, when things really started to shift and uh, I needed to look at what do I want and what do I want her life to look like? What do I want to give her permission to do? Yes. If I'm not even taking the time for myself. So yeah, it was, it was a big wake up call, but I love that question. What do you want? It's so simple and yet so powerful. Yeah. And I want to just acknowledge, because I imagine anyone listening to this, any of the women listening to this, that feeling of everything was falling apart, but nobody knew it. That way that we show up, the way that we think we should, the way we think we have to, because it's too scary to let other people see what's going on. I think that drives a lot of it. It's like, we don't want to be judged. We don't want to be seen a certain way. So we just keep pushing through. And I really wanted to acknowledge that, that I hear you. And I, I imagine there are heads nodding. Yes. with us Of like, yeah. And that autopilot that you described. So what a gift that that woman not only asked you the question, but then followed up on it as well. It wasn't just, oh, you want all this teamwork? Great. No, it was, what about you? And that piece about you weren't even a consideration in there, I think is the crux of all of this. It, It Particularly, and it's not just mothers who have this experience, but so many women who are just doing, 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 and not taking the time for themselves. So and it's it's not just women either. I mean, that's, you know, the the men in my life feel that same pressure. They look at it differently than you yeah. do. But yeah, there's this sense of you're missing out on your life because you're running so fast. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so that's an interesting segue because what our viewers may not know about you is that you're also very grounded in mindfulness. So I'm curious, you know, you were on autopilot So how did you start shifting? What do you think was the way for you that you moved from where you were? So you you got this awareness. And then how did you transition that? Thank you for that segue. I mean, that that was really it. So I had been practicing yoga for, at that time, about 10 years. But at that point, it was more of a physical practice. I was just trying to keep the stress demons at bay, you know, (laughs) physical practice. And then there was the shift of, I really need to pay more attention to kind of the inner workings of my life. So I got certified to teach yoga. I went to yoga teacher training. And that really started me at looking at that point at mindfulness and what else could I bring into my yoga classes. But then I got more serious about mindfulness as a practice. And so that concept of autopilot is very much part of the the teaching and and how to shift that and become the observer of your thoughts and get really intentional about what you want. And so so mindfulness has been a very grounding and steadying practice for me. And it helps me know when I'm off balance because I, I can feel it. Yeah. Because I do have that daily practice of, you know, what am I thinking? Oh, how interesting. I'm judging myself. I'm criticizing myself. You use the word should. I'm shooting on myself. 
But I can say planning mind, planning mind, planning mind, worrying mind. So I'm labeling my thoughts so that I can really tell when I'm out of balance. I just love that. And I love when you say you're labeling things because so many people that I've talked to about trying to do some mindfulness practice, they say, oh, I can't. I mean, you you know me, that's where I was too, but I can't do that. But before we go there, I want to walk back for a second because I do think so many times, and obviously my business is focused on women, so I'll tend to reference women Mm -hmm. and I'm sure men deal with this issue as well. But so many women have said to me, They've tried something to feel better. And I love that you said you'd been doing yoga for a while, but it was a physical thing because, you know, we, we have these false ideas. I think that, oh, just do yoga and everything will be great. So I love that you said that. So for the women who are listening, what was the difference? I know you said mindfulness, but could you speak to this a little more about you were doing the yoga, but it wasn't until you brought in the mindfulness that something shifted. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. And thanks for asking that question because because it was when I started, I was young, I was in my 20s. And so at that point, I was a lot more focused on how do I look on this mat, you know, physical yes. practice. And it was just one more place to beat myself up, yeah. to be honest. And that was not helping my stress. <laughs> <laughs> right. I get but, it. But when I really sort of got deeper into yoga and realized that that's not really the practice. It's not the physical practice at, at all. It was it was about me realizing, I'm going to use the word worthiness, but when I had this, the teaching about you are already worthy, you don't mm. have to stand on your head. You don't have to twist yourself into a pretzel. You just need to show up to yourself on your mat. Ooh, like, yeah. what? Yeah. So once it became more devotional for me, it became more of a spiritual focus, but more importantly, Even than that, for me, it was just showing up for myself to be consistent. It didn't matter if I was good at it. I was just showing up for myself so I could trust myself to show up. Yeah. Big deal. (laughs) Really big deal. Well, but I, I so get what you're saying about the worthiness piece because so many women have given of themselves so much that they've sort of lost connection to what they want and they've put everybody else ahead of them. And that sense of worth it's not even on the radar anymore. So say the expression you said again, it was about showing up on the map for you. Was that the expression? Yeah. yeah. I was showing up for myself because there was, I wasn't trusting that I would. So not only was the spiritual practice, but it was also building a relationship with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, it was, it was a game changer for me when I really committed to it because I was committing to myself. Yeah. 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 And the difference, the mindset difference of showing up to look good on a mat versus showing up for yourself, that feels like a huge, huge leap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. So would you say then, or actually, let me just ask you, what shifts in your life have had the most impact, would you say? The things that you've done, the things that you've experienced, most impactful for you? Oh, probably... So, and I'm I'm going to reference having my marriage fall apart again, because that was just the culminating event to say, I must change my life. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a huge thing. And then the question was, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I, speaking of lists, I really did make a list of what do I want my life to look like? What are the things that I value? 
you know, and so that values exercise of just looking at it and writing it down and being very intentional. And then how do I put that in my life? You know, I had to get really, really clear on what I really valued, you know, what I valued, what I wanted, and then how do I fit it in? So it's like there was calendar work, there was value work. That was the first part of it. And then that led to coaching, as you know, but the first part of it was just really starting over kind of from the place of on my forehead, on my mat, you know, in a heap, Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I had to wander around a little while in the desert and then figure out what I wanted to do. <laughs> well, it may not be everybody's experience that the divorce brought them there. I'm sure there's, you know, millions of reasons that bring you into the desert, but the key that you just said about the values piece that's another thing I don't think people take a lot of time to stop and yeah. take stock of. I think they're probably at the same time was how do I just keep putting one foot in front of the other for you? But if you're not feeling worthy, then even stopping to take stock of what matters might not happen. So I hope people are really listening to that piece of it is thinking about what really matters to you and then making space for that. It seems like the antithesis or antidote to shooting on yourself a little bit, but, you know, getting really serious and curious about yeah. what matters to you. Yeah. Well, and, and you, the word you just said, curious, Yeah. the space to be curious, and it doesn't have to be four days on a retreat somewhere. I mean, right. it can be, I'm going to sit down for 45 minutes and really think about this and, you know, feel it. And yeah. maybe cry a little, <laughs> you know? <laughs> maybe so, yes. <laughs> so in doing this, you now work with other people, not just women. You work with women and men in this. And would you say this is sort of where you start with them is, is getting into those values? Yeah, it, I mean, it's absolutely where I start with them because the values piece is one place we start. And then also the idea of what brings you joy and meaning. Mm, yeah. Because people forget, again, because we don't give ourselves permission to look at it. A lot, of, I mean, I was totally disconnected from even knowing I got to choose. Right. What right. do I love? What do I want to do? What do I like? What do I want to try? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really the, the gist of why we're doing this is a lot of people don't, we just don't even see that we have a choice. We're just living our lives and then. You know that expression, it is what it is. It, yeah. has its, it has its appropriate moments, but where it is not appropriate is in your life. Yeah. There are choices, but I do think this messaging that we get doesn't allow us to see that. So to get curious about what you want is just, it's kind of mind blowing to stop and think, oh, I don't know if that's what it was like for you, but as I was going on my own journey, it was like, oh, I don't know what I want. I've never thought about it. <laughs> Or maybe I thought about it, you know, in high school and college, but then I got sucked into adult life, if you will. Right. Uh, we get sucked into it and we make this to-do list that's a mile long <laughs> every week and it's not even things we want to do. Yes. So that's yeah. the other thing that's so interesting to me is to say, you know, that's the first question. Do you want to do this project? Sometimes you have to. Right. But a lot of the stuff on our list is not even stuff we want to do. Yeah, it is so true. <laughs> And then we beat ourselves up for not yeah. getting our list done. I, it's like right. cycle. We're on the hamster wheel, you know, right. and we can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> if you ran into a woman who was in a similar situation, what kind of advice would you give to her? What would you offer her? I mean, we may have just answered this question. I realize as I'm saying this out loud, but what advice would you offer to someone who is, you know, head on the mat and out in the desert? 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I would start with a gentle question, you know, which is, what do you want? Because I usually, when I hear that, the list of things, well, that's usually what I ask, what do you want? Yeah. And I get the look, you know, I get the deer in the headlights look because there we've, there's been so much judgment about why you're so bad that you can't get all these things done. And yes, you know, all the self-critical thoughts. And, and so usually it stops people to say, well, oh, well, I'm not really sure. And so that leads to the conversation about, well, if you were sure about one of the things you wanted, what would it be? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just to be, get curious about that. So that's, that would be my advice, really, if I were giving advice. I would usually ask a question. But <laughs> and that question that was so powerful for you of what do yeah. you want is yeah. really the place to start. I love what you just said about that critical voice. And then you said the self-critical voice, because we are, for most people, we are our own worst enemy and we are our own worst critic. And while there may be criticism from outside, what's coming from inside is much harsher. Is that a word? I don't know, but much worse. More harsh. (laughs) More. Yes. I think you get the gist, right? But kind of looking at that too, that critic, how can anyone really I think if you were looking at this for a friend instead of yourself, you would look at their to-do list and think, well, that to-do list looks miserable. There isn't enough time in the day, let alone the week to do this all. And why would you want to do all those things? But from your own perspective, it's hard to see that. Yeah, it's very hard. And that's the one of the pieces of the mindfulness practice that sort of ties into that critical voice is I can label the critical voice, oh, judging mind. Uh, yes. So I'm not as caught up in it. But boy, was I ever, you know, and I still get tangled up in my to-do list, but at least I can think, why am I feeling so, you know, out of control and crazy? Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah. I, I can recognize it earlier now. And you can separate yourself from yeah. it. Yeah. It's not, you're just in it, living it every day. Right. And it's, yeah. it's not, my value is not driven by that to-do list. Yes. Which is a big deal. And I know for you know, your people too, it's, some of it is remembering that you're valuable and inherently, it's not the work you do. It's not the things that you collect. It's, it's not any of that external stuff. Right. So that was a game changer for me. It's just like, oh, I can just show up and be on my mat and be valuable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So very common for what I experienced, very common in what I hear in my clients. And I want to ask you, was that to-do list some of that was that proving, trying to prove that you were valuable, trying to prove that you were worthy by what? Checking off a clean out the closet on a to-do list. I, I mean, you know, there's bigger, th- I, I, I'm using that as a reference because I was working with a client just a little bit ago and, and she was adding all these, and I need to do this and I need to clean my daughter's closet and that just, sure. But how much yeah. of that are we just trying to prove something to ourselves? And then you come in with this revolutionary, you're inherently worthy. Can you say a little bit more about that, what that means? I remember learning that concept. I was not raised with that concept. <laughs> and But then it was just such a gift to study that and just go, oh, how, you know, can I believe this? Could I really believe that I'm inherently worthy? And I had a voice that said, yes. What? You know, so yes. that, that is really where the, you know, the yoga training came in was just that you know, that light in me sees and honors the light in you. I really believe that. Yeah. And it was such a relief. I mean, to be honest, I, there's such a letting go of the hustling, you know, that, that proving energy. And it's not that, that we don't still do things in the world. Of course we do. Yes. 
but it really is more about what makes me feel joyful and happy and brings me meaning. Even the work projects that I don't necessarily want to do, how can I reframe that to be meaningful to me in some way? Yeah. So I can just shift the language of the to-do list. Yeah. So there's a couple things I want to unpack in here really quickly. I want to point out that you are in this space, but you were in a space where you didn't believe that. So I just want to point that out and shine the light to anybody who's listening that it is possible. And it also doesn't mean that you never have a project at work that you don't want to do. There is sort of the normal operation of life, but I like what you just said about reframing it because I don't want anyone to walk away from this thinking, well, if I become mindful and I decide I'm worthy, I never have anything in my life to upset me or that's not it at all. And that's mm-hmm. not what I hear you saying. I just want to be clear about this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really about the mindset. It's about the languaging of the project too. I mean, if you're clear on what you want and what your values are, you can usually shift the project to fit in there. Mm. And if you can't, the question is, why am I doing it? Do I really have to, or do I just think I need to, to prove it to somebody else? Or did my boss tell me to, and I just need to get over it? I mean, you know, there's all sorts of variations, but playing with that, with the languaging, instead of just going, I have to do this thing that I hate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're not going to excel, you know, with that energy. (laughs) You're not going to feel really good that way. We all know that feeling. We all know it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say as well is I don't want anyone who's listening to think the only way to get where you're at is to become a yoga and mindfulness teacher. And that's not what I imagine. And I'll let you speak to this is that you develop some curiosity. And so you just kept following that, but it doesn't take blowing up your whole life in terms of you have to leave your family and your job and your career and do something. You can be happy with the life you have right now with these kinds of shifts. You don't have to become anything. Let me let you speak to that. No, I think that's a really good point. And I mean, to be honest, I've been in the corporate world and continue to be. So I I use these practices in real life as well. Which is a gift to the people. (laughs) Sorry, I totally talked over you, but it's such a gift to the people you work with though. Yeah. And I think the biggest mindset shift is really looking at it doesn't have to be a big giant chunk of time that you spend. You can look at, you know, in this next 15 minutes, how can I be more intentional with the use of my time? Yes. What really matters in the next 15 minutes instead of just this frantic running from thing to thing. So I really like to look at where are you spending your time? I mean, just just bottom line calendar review. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it helps people to say, the reason you're feeling like you're running so crazy is because you don't have any white space on your calendar. Like you're just not giving yourself any time. So, you know, is this important enough to you to change that? So it's really easy. It's not easy to implement, but it's very easy to look at your calendar. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I love it. I think what I just heard you say is the reason you feel like you're running crazy is because you're running crazy. You are. (laughs) (laughs) Let's slow that down. What is one thing you wish that you know now that you'd wish you'd known back then? It's the proving part. Mm, So I I really, really wish that my perfectionist was hadn't been driving the bus for so many years. Yeah. Because I was miserable because I was letting her drive. So I wish I could have been a little more gentle with her back in the day to say, oh, it's okay, honey. (laughs) You don't have to do all this. Yeah. Instead of lashing yourself. Yeah. Beautiful. So Bridgette, how are you using this experience to work with clients today, these days? 
my focus right now is really health and well-being. And so I tend to work with those crazed corporate people who have too many things on their schedule and have sort of forgotten that they have a life. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they want to be coached and sometimes their employer wants them to be coached and sometimes their spouse wants them to be coached. <laughs> and so a variety of people who are sort of realizing usually mid-career that there's got to be something more to my life. Mm-hmm. And what do I want the next phase of it to look like? Because there's awareness that I can't keep running at this pace and continue to play at, you know, a top level game. I can't yeah. keep just putting more and more and more. So those are the people yeah. that tend to health professionals a lot of times to land in my lap. Makes sense given your yeah. pharmacy background. Yeah. yeah. So how can people get in touch with you? Uh, website, social connections? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking you'll probably provide my website, but I will. Yes. Yeah. It's alignedengagement.com is the website. Okay. And then on social media, there's a Minding Your Minutes Facebook group. And my business is Reinvention Strategies. You'll see that Facebook group as well. Great. I will put all of that in the comments that go with this post. Before we wrap up, though, I do have the last question. Is there anything else you want to share? Anything I forgot to ask? Oh, it's not a forgot to ask. I guess to just to go back to what you were saying, even if you're feeling crazed and overwhelmed, just take a moment. And just reconnect to yourself and and ask that question just gently. What do I want next? You know, not 10 years from now, but just in this next moment, what do I want? And are you demonstrating the people who are here with us today? Are you demonstrating just getting mindful right there in slowing down and just going inward with what do you want in this? Yeah, one breath. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. It doesn't have to be, like you said, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Mm -hmm. Just one breath. Yeah. One breath, one moment. Next action. (laughs) Bridgette, this has been so enjoyable. I know people are going to find it helpful. Thank you for being my maiden voyage with me. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your time with us. I really appreciate it. And Jen, thanks so much for inviting me. Happy, happy to be here. It's been my pleasure. (laughs) Hey, friend. If you recognize yourself in these stories and you don't want to give a should anymore, you have to join my coaching community, the GC. Come learn the tools to recognize when fear and worry are running the show and how to shift into more of what you want without guilt or blowing up your life. Unless, of course, that's what you want. Inside the GC, you'll learn strategies to start making yourself a priority. Stop saying yes when you mean no. Have hard conversations and so much more. And... You get to do this with a group of women who are making the same changes in their lives and are there to support you, not judge you. It's a seriously warm, safe space where genuine connections are made. The GC is where doubt and loneliness meet their match. You can get all the info at jennifersherwood.com slash the GC. But if you're not ready for something like that yet, I've got you. Head over to my website, jennifersherwood.com and hit the relief right now button. I'll send three ridiculously simple steps to go from overwhelm to ease.